0: hi i'm steven this is mick and today we're going to be talking about inheritance before we begin though we just want to say that this is only a discussion there are no right or wrong answers these are just our thoughts and opinions which can and will change neither of us are experts on anything we are just two dudes talking all right mick we've already <laughs> discussed this topic a little bit before realizing that we just forgot to hit record on the. Uh, one of the devices so we're kind of starting again but we're gonna kind of push on and and try not to retread uh, old ground it's gonna it's gonna be better this time around let's once again though just say that um the impetus for this conversation was that we were thinking okay what is the role of generations and meaning from that i guess parent to child is that fair is that kind of where we were coming from
1: yeah yeah i think so it was. Uh, I think the uh, initial concept that I was thinking about is, you know, how do we slingshot the the younger generation? How does the older generation slingshot the younger generation by by what it passes on? Yeah.
0: So maybe then, um, just to go back a little bit, is why why do you think that that is what the role of a parent to a child is? Why do you think the parent has some sort of owing to the child to um, help them get up to speed and then surpass them?
1: It's a good question. I guess um, from my point of view, humans, uh, it's, it's a survival technique at the end of the day. I think it's a survival technique. So I would say out of all, we're not, not a predator. We're not a lion. It's not something we can physically confront a big animal and, and beat it hands on -on one-on-one. So I guess as humans, we're quite weak in, in that physical sense. Um, But what, maybe pulls us apart is, uh, makes us different is that uh, we have the ability... ...to think and create and, um, and to be able to create strategies and all the rest of it. So going back to the lion, you know, you'd create a, a, a tribe... ...that would be able to strategically take that lion down... ...maybe trap it in some way or something like that. So in my, in, from my point of view at a really fundamental level... ...the idea that the older generation passes something on to its young, younger generation... ...is out of survival.
0: I want to tell a little bit of a story of uh, kind of my thinking when I first started or first had a thought regarding, okay, well, what is the actual role of a parent? And it came from a selfish place, which is quite interesting. So if you'll indulge me for, for a moment, um, I was thinking one day, I'm like, looking back at where I was when I was a child to where I am now, how much I've learned how much i've grown how much more i understand about the world how much more i understand about myself and then thinking of course well one day i'm going to pass and all that knowledge is just gonna go back into wherever it came from and so i was thinking god it'd be good if i could if i was able to pass that on to myself as a child like all that knowledge so i didn't have to take that long time to get to this point that i'm at now but obviously we can't go back in time and i'm not one to to try and break the rules of nature and, and figure out a way to go back in time and tell myself that. So I'm like, wouldn't it be cool if I could teach someone young who is who is at a younger age what I know now and, and get them up to speed, get them up to where I am now faster than I got there so that they can then progress and get further to me, which is kind of the same as what you're talking about with that whole slingshotting thing. And that's where I was like, well, isn't that then kind of what the purpose of of having children is is to get them up to where it is to if you think about it selfishly it's like what are we uh apart from our experiences like yes we are have a body organs and everything possibly a soul depends what you believe and how you perceive things but if you think about who we are is actually just a summation of all of the experiences experiences we've had in life if you can pass that on to someone else who will outlive us physically, then you kind of are still surviving. And then they can also carry that on and, uh, you know, progress it further. So it, it's kind of like, if you think about your lineage, that's, that's what's happened. You've had your great, 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 whatever, grandpro- grandfather, grandmother, had experiences, they passed it down. And then their experiences
1: are living on throughout the children. So I'll, I'll pause there for a second. Is there anything you want to say to that? Yeah, that's an interesting thing. I hadn't thought of it from that point of view, I guess. So let me get this right. Let me sort of feed it back and see if I understand. So the desire, so initially you have the desire of like you got to this age and you're like, imagine if I had all this knowledge when I was younger, how much uh, better positioned I would be than I am now. And so knowing that you can't do that, the second best option is, okay, if I had a kid, then I can give it to them. And I can see the benefit of the knowledge that I've gained through them as they uh, go forward in life because they've got that knowledge at an earlier age than you will be able to, to get it. And so the selfish part is wanting to pass that on and seeing. So you're sort of saying that as you pass that knowledge on, that's you living on because that's the knowledge which you gained. It's That's a really interesting way to think of it because I see whatever knowledge I've Gained is a collective of those prior to me so I don't necessarily I'm not sure if um, yeah I can definitely see why people have kids and th- it explains probably a few things about how kids are sometimes raised so you imagine uh, a father or, or a mum that wants their kid to be I'm just going to use something random here that wants to be elite at sport because they never they, you know, ...they might be 30 or 40 years old and they go, oh, if I knew this when I was younger... ...if I knew the desire to have sport or, or I was able to put myself in this position... ...then I would have lived a, a, a much better life. And so ra- knowing that they can't do that, if they have kids... ...they sometimes might fall into a situation where they live through that kid... Um, and the kid's not able to, I mean, kid's sort of constrained in what they wanted to do. So it, it makes complete sense from that point of view uh, that people do that. Um, yeah, yeah, I, I would
0: think so. There's a saying, I, I don't, I can't remember it exactly, but it's like you die twice. The first time is when they put you in the grave and the second time is the last time anyone says your name. So it's kind of a similar thing where it's like you've got two, two beings two versions of yourself which would be your physical body that's an obvious death and then you've got some other um um, entity that is you that is pretty much your experiences or they're saying it, it it's your name but to me a name is is a is just a a shorthand for the amount of experiences or the the whole of the experiences that a person has had
1: yeah that makes you realize that opens up some really interesting uh questions or or discussion around like you imagine someone like Newton or Galileo Galileo do they did they have a desire to pass on that knowledge in the same kind from the same kind of uh perspective that you're sort of discussing did they see that this was the way in which they could contribute to life and they wanted to see that carried on and that's what was the desire to push through everything so I think ...I think Galileo, Galileo, lo- end up getting locked up and considered mentally ill. But still there was a desire to persist with uh, his stand on what he knew about the world... ...and to push that through. And I guess it might have been a couple of centuries later... ...in which that was um, actually come to fruition. So in his situation he's lived on. we, we still talk about these people. So he's lived on f- for much longer than his physical, physical body... I wonder why people desire that then. Have you thought about why? So do you think that the desire is because obviously every living creature, I would assume their goal is to, to survive as long as possible. And maybe in some uh, sort of mental or psychological way, that's surviving as long as possible, even though you're not physically present. And maybe that's the desire to do what you you were saying to do. What? Yeah. Why do you think that desire is? It's
0: a good question.
1: It's actually
0: a little bit different to that for me. I I don't know, I've hit a point where I, I kind of the, the desire to live forever or to survive forever. I'm kind of like, N- no, I'm good. Whatever time I get, I'm, I'm happy with that I don't need to, I don't want to live forever. I don't you know I don't need my name to last forever. But what I do care about is, and, and I care about this in a general say, sense is, I, I hate waste and I feel like, okay, everything I've been through, everything I've experienced, I've, I've gained something there. And if, if that doesn't get passed on to someone, I feel that is wasteful. Like I don't care if they forget who I am after knowing all that stuff. I just feel like I don't want all these experiences to go to waste. I want them to help benefit someone else or more than some individual,
1: you know. Yeah. So the question then becomes where does it, So, when you pass on that knowledge, one question I then have is where does the person lose the experience? And so that is wasteful in itself. So, I understand what you're saying is to be as efficient as possible, we should pass on the knowledge that we currently know. So, previous generations make better decisions about uh, the environment in which they live. But then, if you take the opposite. I'm I'm a little bit different in the fact that I sort of I, I agree with you I have that finite idea as well I'm happy to you know pass away if I make it to eighty that's great you know if I make it past eighty I think it's gonna be a hard run um, and so to me I see life as like a, a story it's kind of like going on a roller coaster ride and at, there's so much anticipation when you first go on that roller coaster ride. There's so much excitement, and then when you get to the end of the roller coaster ride, you just want to maybe get off. You've had you've had your run, um, but all through that roller coaster ride, you've had this ups and down experiences, and and really that's kind of what you take to the grave. Um, and so, it's maybe this could be seen as selfish in the opposite point of view. Whether my knowledge gets passed on or not. ...is not of a great deal of concern to me. Um, and I, I, I can't maybe explain why that is the case. Um, but yeah, I'm not sure that I have that same desire to see, um, you know... ...my knowledge live on um, and whether that's me uh, not worrying about... ...so another idea came up when we were talking about that is... Maybe the desire to pass that knowledge on and see the generation ahead of you do better is that collectively as a, as a species we want to survive. So rather than the individual and thinking about your own life and how long you survive, you think about the species and therefore you actually do things for others to, to survive. So you will make steps, like if you think about people that go to war to fight for freedom, that's what they're doing. They're sacrificing their own life in order for their culture to survive. Um. Yeah, I. I personally, I've never felt that, but I understand why people do feel that. Yeah. Yeah. One thing I'll make clear, um,
0: just in case, because it sounds like maybe you, you took it a little bit differently. Really, is when I say I want to pass that on to someone, I'm not just specifically talking about my own child. I'm talking about anyone, anyone who who will hear, it, anyone who wants to hear, it, anyone who. And I'm not trying to force it on anyone either. It's just like, I feel like I've gained a lot of experiences. I want to put it out there so it's available so that someone else can learn from it and can, like I said, develop quicker than I did and then surpass whatever I got to. And, and I say that because I want to lead to, well, you for work, I won't get too deep into it, but you build like training simulations. Is that kind of fair to say? Yes. Yeah. What are you doing when you're building those training simulations?
1: I'm trying to improve people's understanding of the topic.
0: Yeah, you're passing on. Uh, experience that maybe not you have have gained but someone else has gained and and partly you you know there's always a part of you in the in the um development of it so is that different to what i'm saying i want to do in passing on the
1: experiences that i've had no you're right if you take away what you were saying before is if if it was that direct relationship with a a child of yours or a a family relative of some sort if you take that away you're right yeah the the desire for each individual to um Add something to the overall improvement of society is is definitely a. It feels like it, for me, it does feel like a biological goal. It's like we're we're driven to do that, and we don't actually fully understand why we're driven to do that, um, except from having the explanation that it is trying to make our species or us survive uh, longer and be fitter for it. Like if we go back to the fitness description, be fitter for their environment. Yeah. Yeah, the fitness description which
0: we talked about before we uh, actually hit record, but that's alright. Well, let's uh, let's leave that in the past.
1: Um, where was I going to go with that? So maybe before we do that, I, I, it's just a simple one-liner. When we say fitness, we say uh, the the well, the living creature is best suited to its environment. Yes. So, quick recap: environment
0: is everything around us that isn't part of us. So if we want to think about it in physical terms, our body is probably the barrier and then everything outside of it, everything that we sense is part of our environment. So again, you are part of my environment. I am part of your environment. So it depends on your perspective as well as to what your environment is. And then fitness, like you just said, is that it's optimized for whatever that environment is. What I was going to say about uh, what we're talking about there is A perspective that I have on the world, and and I think there's something biological, like you said, that we are driven to communicate our own understanding of—I call it reality or natural laws—and I think this happens across all different mediums. When I look at like an art piece that speaks to me, it's because someone has had experiences that they that has told them something about the nature of reality told them about natural laws and they want to communicate that. And so they've the way that they've communicated that is through some artistic medium. Say they've done a painting. And this is why I think it's really difficult to also explain why something is beautiful to you because you're looking at it in the medium of, of, of painting. You're not looking at it in the medium of words that we can communicate. And so when you look at it, you're like, that's beautiful, but I can't quite put into words why it is beautiful. I think if you get to really generalizing why it's beautiful it's because it tells you or you've seen you've glimpsed something about reality in that and that gives us this feeling of beauty
1: yeah i think so i think a lot of the time uh, for instance uh some i mean truth is a topic in its own but there's some kind of general understanding you see that with music as well so i think any any time in which we convey something from one to another uh, is considered i guess ...language, but language can come verbal, it can come written, it can come... Uh, ...you know, like you said, visual, sound, all the rest of it. I mean, yeah, there's there's tunes that they know people... Uh, ...that the generalised audience would actually dance to... ...but the explanation of why they dance to that is not fully understood I think. And so, yeah, that, that's true. There's something of beauty, there's something of greater understanding... ...but we can't always explain it... Um, and I think, yeah, yeah, I think the the, desi- the biological desire to me is that the way in which we evolve and strategize and communicate to each other is our greatest strength. It's like a defensive mechanism. So if you think about like a a, a, a cheater, a cheetah is really quick. You know, that's its that's its kind of um, um, a defensive or it's a an attacking mechanism. So humans, you know, don't have that physical strength that other animals have. But I do think that uh, our strength is actually the, the ability to communicate... ...and the ability to, th- you know, think deeply... Um, ...and think forward ahead of time and all the rest of it. And that's kind of, I guess, what the importance of sharing that knowledge actually is. When we communicate, it's our way to uh, sit ourselves up that we can survive... Um, ...because we're defenceless in other areas.
0: Yeah. And back to, like I said, why I think we see beauty in understanding the nature of reality is that once you understand how something works, that's how you can use it. You can manipulate it. You can use it to survive. So, for example, like look at the lights around us. If we hadn't, if we didn't understand how electricity worked, we wouldn't be able to create those lights. Like there's certain bits of knowledge that you need to know about how everything, how atoms interact with one another in order to make effect of it make effective use of it yes all right where was I on? I want to go back to so yeah my thought process so where was I up to uh, I wanted to pass on experiences to say a child I'm like so how would you do that well when I think about it, it's like well just tell them just talk to them tell them tell them this is right this is wrong do this don't do that and then I pause for a second I'm like it sounds familiar It sounds like exactly what my parents did for me. Did that hasten my development into where I am currently? Maybe to a degree, but not like as powerful as I, or as quickly as I wanted it to happen. So I'm like, okay, so just telling someone what you've learned, what you've experienced, that doesn't work. It's not as effective as I think it could be. So then what's the next step? Okay, well, for me, how did I learn these lessons? How did I understand and realize them? I experienced them. I'm like, okay, well, then that means if I want to teach a child or someone younger than me or the next generation, and I want them to grow quicker than I did, then they should experience these things earlier, faster, more often than I did.
1: Yeah, that makes it. That makes a lot of sense. So I think that removes uh, one of the tricks. I guess as a parent, you often. ...it must be hard because even as someone older you can see a mistake about to happen... ...because you've, exper- you've gone through experiences before. And the ability to express to someone that experience but then hold back... ...that you don't constrain them to undergo their own experience and failures... ...is where the line is. So I think in your case what you're sort of suggesting is that you can pass on the knowledge... ...but there is no, there is no expectation that it will be taken on board... Um, but if it is taken on board, then they might get ahead because they know knowledge that you didn't know when you were at that age, I guess. Well, I think about it like this.
0: Anytime someone has told me something, anytime I've been in a class or something, or someone has just, okay, this is dry. This is what you need to know. This is how it works. This is math. This is <laughs> science, whatever it is. There's only a certain amount of that that I remember. And it has very little influence on how I make my actions. Like there's, there's very little tangible to it other than someone has told me. It makes me aware of something, but it doesn't really make me understand or understand how, like the implication of going with it or going against it. It's not until you actually do something and experience it with all your senses that you realize, ah, oh, that is what it feels like. That is what it feels like to touch something hot. That is what it feels like to fall off something high. That is why I want to avoid it. So if someone just tells you something, you've got an awareness of it, but it's got very little influence over your actions. So you'll look at jumping off a roof into a pool and you're like, yeah, that looks safe. Oh, that's good. Like this, this, there's no way this could go wrong. But then you might do it and you might experience it and you might miss the pool. And then you're like, oh, wow, there's actually greater danger to it. And so now you are aware of it at a much deeper level. Your whole body is aware of it. So next time you are in a situation and you need to make a decision where that is a factor, you're going to remember that you're going to ha- remember that experience and it's going to inform your decision making a lot more than if someone just told you don't jump off of a roof into
1: a pool yes and i would say you can still speed up the evolution process after the person's had the experience that you wanted to prevent them from because at that point in time they're they're they've got the questions and their mindsets open enough to take the knowledge actually in so I think I sometimes fit in this category if I sit in a lecture first to be taught something, it kind of goes over my head. I don't take, I don't absorb it because there's no, I guess there's no relative position for me. So there's a lot of questions in my mind. And when there's a lot of questions that I can't ask or get answers to, then the, the, the more knowledge they're giving, the, the more it breaks down for me because it's like, hang on, I haven't answered this question. You're just stacking more knowledge on top. ...and I need to resolve this fundamentally first. Um, So for me often it's like, okay, here's the topic. And i like, okay, just leave me alone for a bit. Let me think about it and play with it from, from my own intuition. And then after that point, then allow me to come and ask those questions. And then I get that knowledge. And I think for me that's a rapid way in which I can learn. Now, if I don't have someone to turn to after the point of failure... ...then I have to figure out that failure, what failed myself. And that might be a long, it might be short... ...but it might be a very long trial and error process. At that point if someone comes in with the experience and explains... ...ah, oh, these are the factors and I've actually gone through it tangibly... ...I can reflect and go, yeah, you're right actually. Thinking back to my own experience, that's what I observed as well. And it was only you that was able to, to talk to me about this... ...that allowed me to think of it from that perspective. So... Um, even though you go through the experience of the failings yourself, you can still evolve at a greater rate than maybe the generation, the older generation relative to you, I guess. Mm.
0: Yeah, 100% agree. And that's more of, okay, how do you how do you best uh, teach someone something? And I think I do agree with you there where it's like you got to have that little bit of exposure to it. And then it's like someone's uh, – instead of you spending the – tens of hours figuring out why that went wrong someone comes in and goes oh this is why it went wrong I've spent those tens of hours this is why and I think maybe that could be then where the role of generations comes in you are the, the 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 older generation who has put in those tens hundreds of hours comes in at that point that they've had that enough stimulus that they're like okay now I'm interested in this now I want to know the answers it's like well here are the answers so you don't have to spend those
1: hours yeah, correct. I mean ideally as a parent I think th- this line is what you want to try and straddle, isn't it? You know, so you want, to, you want to stop your kid from doing things that's going to be detrimental to itself… …whether it's going to be breaking a leg or, or you know, being hit by a car, whatever it is. You're trying to set up those where they no go zones I guess… Um, ...but there's areas in which you, you know that they're going to make a mistake, they're going to fail... ...but you want them to go through that experience themselves... ...and then your role is to then support them after those failures. It's to, I guess, you know, as an ideal parent you, you give as much experience to your kid... ...as, it's, uh, as it can cope with, comfortably, or some, somewhat comfortably or a little bit discomforting... ...but as much experience as possible... And then through the failures you want to support them after those failures and where you can when 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 we talk about the support maybe it's just emotional support but other areas it might be supportive knowledge so it's like okay the kids failed um, okay now I can now they're ready to take in the, to the knowledge because they have actually had the experience which is something that's uh, yeah is important for, for them to be able to understand that knowledge which I'm going to present to them
0: yeah I think that's the hard part of parenting I mean I agree with all that you just said there, most of I won't say all because I don't know. (laughs) I'd have to go over it with a fine tooth cone to say all. But yeah, that's got to be the hard part is like you know that they have to experience, again, going back to last time with pain and discomfort, they have to experience a certain level of discomfort for optimal uh, growth, optimal uh, learning. And then you know it's going to be difficult to them because you've been through it before, but you have to kind of have that bigger picture where it's like it's better that they – let's say they um they touch a hot mug then put their hand in boiling water like it's better that they have a small scale experience that gives them kind of an idea about where this leads to if you go more intense and then you fill them in with the rest of the information and that's kind of how that's kind of our look at it and, and a concept i want to actually um question ask you about cuz this is something i've i've been um, thinking about and working on so this concept, I'm kind of loosely calling it levels of awareness. So the first level of awareness I call knowledge. And that's where it's like going back to someone tells you something, okay? I can't think of an example. They, they tell you, let's stick with the hot one actually. They tell you, don't touch that mug, it's hot, it'll hurt. And you've got this, yeah, yeah, don't touch it, it's hot, whatever. But you you haven't felt what that feels like, that pain of being hurt by something that's hot. So the next level of... um awareness, I call understanding where you've got an experience of that. So maybe you touch the mug and you're like, ah, oh, that is hot. And then from that, you can extrapolate to, okay, that was hot. That hurt. If I, if I grab something that's really hot, that might do serious damage to me. Like this was just small scale. It'll recover. It did recover. But if I go full scale, that will, um, that will, uh, yeah, that will really injure me. And then the next level of awareness, which is like full awareness of something is i call realizing which is like you've had that experience so maybe then you do you put your hand in boiling water and it it burns and it scars and you get third degree burns and then you're stuck with that for life it's like you've realized that now you've learned that lesson you're not going to do it again but you could have stopped at any any um point along the way like the, the the message was there the whole time someone told you about it you had a small scale experience and now you've had a full scale experience and if you don't learn from that well good luck so that's kind of – what do you think of that concept of that? there's like three different levels of awareness for anything in life?
1: Yeah, I think that's a, that's a good concept and that um, it shows the importance of being transparent and truthful through that process as well. So, you know, if you imagine that process of someone being hurt by boiling water, at some point you, you basically tell them, you know, it's hot, don't touch it. You know, some people are going to be curious enough to go touch it. And then figure out that it's actually hot and then extrapolate like you said that it, it, that uh, what it would mean if you put your whole hand in a, in a boiling saucepan or something like that. So I guess, you know, this is where I think uh, drugs would be an interesting one as teenagers. So often parents want to turn them completely away from drugs. And what's fascinating is those parents that actually did, did drugs when they were teenagers, some of those parents don't want to divulge that to their kids in the risk that, they will make the same mistakes. But if you don't divulge that information, then you risk them making the same mistakes as well because they don't actually understand where you got the knowledge from. Um, and then, you know, it's being confident enough to, to express it to say, look, this is my experience. This is what I know about it. Do it at your own peril. I'm warning you that it, it, it could lead to something detrimental to you. But then actually preventing people from doing it ...is where it comes a little bit difficult. Because if they don't listen to your warning then, and they go do it, then that's really onus on them. But what you've set yourself up for in the future is they'll pay more attention to you in the future. Because they realise that you actually did have the experience and you were truthful and transparent about it. And that what you said actually come to fruition. The mistake I think in, like I use the drug one because it's a, a good classic mistake... ...the mistake might be that, oh, don't take drugs that makes you crazy or something. And then when the person actually takes a drug and don't go crazy... ...then why would they listen to the parent again? Because in that case the parent wasn't, you know, maybe had that experience... ...didn't want to divulge the information, wasn't transparent. And so for, therefore they're breaking that process of evolution I, I feel. Um, and then, yeah, the, the, the person's going to come back... ...and think that their information is not reliable... Um, so it's important I guess um, looking at those learning steps if you're an observer of someone going through those steps is to the best I think that you can do is just default be transparent and be as honest as possible and that sets the other person up as as best that you can almost
0: yeah I agree I mean they're they're hardly going to listen to you if they know you haven't had that experience yourself I think this is one of the one of the things that makes people credible is knowing, okay, they've been through the same thing. So maybe you have, again, that small scale um, experience of whatever they've been through. And then you can say, okay, I think I've got an idea about where this leads. And then they come in, look, I've put in the, again, the X amount of hours to learn the lesson to fully realize it. So I'm trying to help you now. And I'm trying to tell you that, look, this is where it leads. It's still, and, and another point there is to treat them as, um, or to give them agency to allow them to say, okay, this is your decision, but I'm just telling you this is where it leads. I think you've had enough experience with it that you understand enough. You 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 feel you felt it enough that you can extrapolate yourself and see that yes, this is in fact where it will go. And the other thing to keep in mind with that is a lot of the times we we forget that our experiences are different to someone else's. What we've been through in life is different to someone else. So when we try to shortcut, okay, just don't do drugs, for example, they haven't seen all the steps that got you to, okay, this is the broad, um, broad, uh, this is, this is what you can broadly apply. They haven't seen that. Okay. I I did this, which led to this, which led to this, which led to this, which I finally realized this was the reason that (laughs) that all happened. So just cut it here.
1: Yeah. And also as someone that I think that you pass on knowledge, yeah, you got to be also self-aware that. Like you said, uh, I guess over time the environment changes as well. You think about social media today and, and uh, the digital era compared to people… …you know, 40 years ago or something like that. Um, how, how does the knowledge apply in its current environment? So sometimes I guess what we were saying before is, you know… Uh, …fitness describes how well you are suited to that environment. Evolution is the ability to pass on knowledge in order to be better f- fitted for the environment. But what happens if that environment changes over time and your knowledge becomes obsolete? How does that then pass on to the, to the next generation? So I think that's where you've got to be careful about how forceful you are with your knowledge. I mean, you know, if we go back to the, the parent-child relationship, yeah, of course, um, you know, we don't want kids running out on roads, we don't want them harming themselves, but at some point, uh, that kid's going to grow up and become an adult and, you know, once they're starting to become an adult, all you can do is give them your experiences and realise they might make some different decisions better than you because they've grown up in a different environment in which they learnt within. So some of your knowledge actually applies and some of, it, some of it doesn't and it needs to change and you might be wrong too. So I think there's a careful balance between... The prior generation providing knowledge and then the, uh, the younger generation actually exp- uh, uh, finding new knowledge or exploring new knowledge and where that transition actually happens.
0: I'm glad you brought that up because this is kind of where I wanted to go next in that okay, we've, we've, we've kind of established or agreed that slingshotting mm-hmm. as we're terming it is kind of what we want as the role of generations is to get the previous generation up to speed. Faster than, than, than we are, and allow them to progress further. The reason that we, I think, well, personally, I mean, you can you can tell me what, how you feel about it. The reason I believe that is important is because our environment has changed so much, and this goes back to evolution. It's like biologically, we evolve for our um to to be fit for our environment, but that takes long periods of times, happens very slowly where our environment is actually changing so much faster than biological evolution can catch up, which is where it gets into cultural evolution, where it's like, okay, we are adaptable. We can update our software. We can say, okay, this is how we interface with the world. So it's like you're born, you have this set of ideas, understandings, instincts of how to interact with the environment around you. Those instincts were made for an environment that existed thousands of years ago. So now the role of the parent is to say, is to update that as fast as possible. And it is a matter of survival because think about the, the, what do you, how powerful some of the tools that we have now. Like speaking of tools, imagine like a drill, right? Imagine how powerful that thing is. Where would you come across something that powerful thousands of years ago that a kid could get their hand on, pull the trigger and do damage themselves? You know, it's not in their hardwiring to understand that. This little tool can do a lot of damage. And so that's why I think, yeah, the environment's changed and that's why it's really important for us to get them up to speed really quick in order to first off survive, but then the next part is to thrive and go past us.
1: Yeah, I think that analogy of the hardware software works really well here. Is Hardware is what you're constrained with, what you're physically born with. Um, and then obviously the software is updating, I guess, all the time uh, based on its environment. Um, and yeah, some things become obsolete. Like I, 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 think I often think about this a lot, like how, um, you know, blacksmith or other similar trades or, or old, um, old techniques have now become somewhat obsolete. So machinery takes over and it would be interesting. I don't, it would be interesting to try and pick that knowledge up again as well. How long it would actually take, um, ...to get to the level in which they previously were. were. So you imagine, you know, uh, blacksmith making um, uh, chained armour... ...or big swords or big shields um, using handmade techniques... Um, now, ...that now become obsolete because we've built machines that do the work for us. But if you take someone today and try to get them to the productivity... ...and the craftsmanship with their hands to what they were previously... …I think it would take some time. Um, and that's probably because that knowledge has become obsolete… …and hasn't been passed on to the extent that it, it that it once was I guess. You know, I, I can imagine like a… as …back then it will always be probably a son. So a son starting being a blacksmith at the age of 10 and 12… …whereas now that's the starting of high school… …which is a whole different level of knowledge. Um, and the motor skills that that, that child would have built by doing that craftsmanship day in, day out as a teenager would be something quite unique um, if you looked at it today. Yeah, and
0: another reason I think it's so important for us as a society to, to think about this, how do we uh, skill our youth to get them up to speed fast enough is because I look at it and I'm like the, the period of, of learning to interact with the world in an effective way is is getting longer and longer. Like you just said there, 12 years old, you'd probably be what, primary school, high school, whereas there you'd be actually like historically you'd be starting a trade at that point. So you've already got all the skills you need to actually survive in the world. Now it's specializing. Whereas nowadays it's like actually we're in school for much longer just to get us up to speed with, okay, this is everything going on. This is how you survive in the world that we've created. And then, yeah, like for myself, I'm like, I'm thirty, and i'm I don't even know if I'm fully prepared to you know survive and, and and go past where I'm at. I feel like I'm still at the learning phase where there's still more I want to know or I need to know about the world in order to effectively operate within it. So it's like well, we have a finite lifespan, and we're not pushing that lifespan out far enough that you know the percentage of time we're spent getting up to speed is is far too great of it, yeah, does that make
1: sense? <laughs> Yeah, I guess it actually asks a really in question, uh, interesting question because you start to think about what is you know what are the skills that we're passing on to the younger generation and what are they actually doing with it? And I think the explosion of the digital era makes you question what is the value of what we're doing? If you think about what we did prior and there's a, there can be, if you go back far enough in time, there can probably be really direct uh uh, ...outcomes or, or knowledge or passing of knowledge on... ...that actually show a clear link to why you would survive. So like, you know, going back to tribes... ...learning how to, um, you know, get berries or to 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 get food and all the rest of it. That knowledge would have been passed down. You eat these, you don't eat these. This is where you find them. This is how you hunt them. Um, and there's a direct relationship survival. That's harder and harder as we go forward. So like... ...what is the direct relation of survival of a, um, you know, of a developer, computer programmer... ...or what is the, you know, survival of um, uh, maybe a multimedia artist? Um, The connections are less direct. And do, you know, do we question evolution enough? Like we evolve, obviously, but it's almost like we evolve intuitively. We don't really think about... Maybe we try to some extent think about what is important for us in the future, but it feels at times that we don't have a very good grasp or control of what we're actually learning. Is this going to be beneficial? Even though we can see ourselves evolving and performing better this way, what is its actual tangible benefit to us? And I think that set us in a situation, like you said, is that we're teaching ...where the, the learnings... ...because the knowledge keeps stacking up, stacking up... ...and maybe we're not making some of that knowledge obsolete or of no use... ...then it's almost like we're doing things that really... ...you start to question their value of their outcomes. Um, and, and when you do that you take more and more time from an individual to... ...like you said maybe catch up to where they think they should be. Um, yeah.
0: Yeah we just keep building on the knowledge but we... It, ...it's like you said it's kind of bloating and we don't need it all. Maybe there's like 10% of what we know and understand is what we actually need. And yet we haven't taken the time to clean it up to you know, waste it to say, no, we don't need this anymore. We don't need that. I think one of the things is that I know, like you said, it's kind of obsolete to have some of these skills like blacksmith. Um, but I think it's it's good to, I think there's a balance and I think we're too far on the side of, we, we are too disconnected from what we actually need to survive. Like I think it's, it's dangerous for us to not know, okay, where does our food come from? We, we go to the supermarket and we buy food. Okay, that's pretty much the extent of the majority of us that know, okay, where does that come from? You know, how does it grow? Like first of all, yeah, where's it grown? It gets transported. Some of it gets processed. And Like imagine if, if that stops. Imagine if the supermarket stops. What then? And I think this is kind of a something that we don't necessarily consciously think about, but I think it weighs on us subconsciously. Is that because we are so disconnected from what we need to survive? There's this angst that okay, we're very vulnerable now. If something happens to to these uh, these processes that are far removed from the foundation, we we it's going to take us a long time to get that foundation back so that we can survive. I don't know. How how do you feel that? Do you feel that there's some kind of angst in that we are too disconnected from things and that perhaps there's a balance between, okay, we can use the new technology that makes us and allows us to do things faster, better, cheaper, but also we have some awareness and an ability to go back to those old ways just as a safety.
1: Yeah, I agree. We're very disconnected. I think uh, as a society, We're very disconnected from the world around us. We're very connected to each other in a very, sometimes a very specific way. I was reading a, I'm going to go a little bit of tangent, but I think it's an interesting one because it highlights this problem, I think. So I read an article the other day that, I don't know, it was like $500. It was a weird, weird price, $493 or something like that. And you could uh, get 200 plus items from Amazon, random items. And it was really weird and I I forget what the article was about. It was about basically um, being able to send those back in bulk or something silly like this. But what really stood out to me in that article, it had a photo of this this girl or this lady... ...that bought all these items randomly. And I looked, I started to look at the items and what it signified to me... ...is a lot of those items were purely developed, were purely designed to just get money... And it made me go, what is the benefit of this? Like it's the same kind of rubbish, you know, like it was ornaments or a table and you can see them, you know, they don't have real good structure, they're cheap, Uh, they'll probably last maybe six months or something, then they'll be in the bin. And it just signified how much energy we waste on things that aren't really of great importance to us. And, And maybe why, you know, what was the motive of that individual to do that? And to me, it signals that they are highly disconnected to the environment around them. I mean, I don't understand why someone would purchase uh, purchase 200 plus random items. I don't know what outcome they desire to have except maybe some feeling of joy. And um, yeah, that, that that kind of worries me a little bit in some respect. But to me, it definitely highlights the significant disconnection. Um, ...because I don't think any behaviour like that is valuable to our survival... ...or the environment (laughs) survival around us. Um, So yeah, I would say I would agree. Yeah, we're highly disconnected. And that makes us make probably decisions, unconscious decisions... ...that don't necessarily set us up uh, to best suit our environment. Like you said, the, the disconnection of food is a significant one. It's, yeah... I mean, we could do a whole whole podcast on, on food because I think, yeah, the disconnection of where our food comes from and how it's created is, um, is not well, very well understood. And then when you do, do understand it, it's kind, of like, it's kind of like thinking about space. It's too great in its verbal context or in its video, in its, in its format that it's shared with you. It's too great to actually understand as an individual. It's like having a number, one trillion, what does it actually mean? you can't tangibly connect to that. So yeah. Even if we know where our food comes from, the lack of experience of going through that process means that we're not we're we're not connected to it still.
0: Yeah. I think tying it back to what is the role of generations, I think tangibly for the next few generations, it is getting that aware again, level of awareness up about, okay, these are the things that are actually necessary for your survival this is what will actually keep you make you feel happy feel good like you said those 200 ornamental items what are they actually doing for you and then if you look at that what are they what is the trade-off of those 200 ornamental items you know maybe you look at it and you and it's like oh that's nice that's pretty it looks good but then what about the angst that you get because oh because i spent on that i didn't spend on my garden i didn't spend securing shelter i didn't spend all these things that are ...at the foundation of what we need to survive. I'm operating at a level that is way past what we need to survive... ...but I don't have a strong stability, don't stable foundation of how to survive.
1: Yeah, and even if you get to a point where you can afford all of that... ...and be in abundance, then uh, if you think about you know the general idea of what you said before... ...you know, um, uh, the desire to contribute to human's evolution, then... Uh, ...what does buying the abundance help solve from that point of view? If you're, if you're well-adjusted to your environment... ...wouldn't it make more sense to help other people... ...get more well-adjusted to their environment? Um, so yeah, just ignoring that there... ...and then being in more abundance yourself is, is quite a strange... ...kind of strange situation... ...if you think about it from an evolutionary point of view... ...and getting the best out of, uh, out of the race, I guess, or the species...
0: Yeah, I think I like that you said the word abundant because I think that is when we talk about how much the environment has changed, I feel like we are hardwired for a time where we were in, I don't know what the word would be, deficit, where it was like you got to fight for survival. But now we live in a world of abundance in terms of what we actually need to survive in terms of having food, shelter, water, security. But those things are slowly going away because we're not focusing on them anymore. So we had this abundant period. Now we're using up those resources, and we're not restocking them. And we're focusing on something else, not realizing that okay, once these these things are gone that we had abundance of, that's going to collapse everything on top of it.
1: Yeah, I think uh, uh, the word like the idea of abundance is actually like a false misconception. I assume it just really means that we can collect all those resources. And store them at will for us, but that comes at a detriment to others. So, like if I think about where I'm living at the moment, this house and the houses around it, um, it came at the cost of the environment that got scraped from here. So, whenever we think, "Oh, we've got an abundance of this," there was always a finite amount of that. It's just that from our perspective, we're going to abundance because we stole it and stored it for ourselves and not for others. So. Yeah, it's sort of yeah, I guess yeah. It,
0: yeah. it depends on your perspective mm. in that respect. Yeah, there's a. it's an abundance of what we need to survive. It's not necessarily an abundance of what we
1: need. Yes, of what we have, because that's the that's the problem that causes the idea that we have abundance causes the depletion of those resources to a point that we don't have an abundance. Because so, yeah. yeah, yeah, because we so always act as if we are lacking. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I mean to some respect you want to live within the bounds of what you only need. And that, and I think that's self-rewarding. I think if you think about when an individual is at peace with themselves, it's, you know, if you think about all those teachings, it's generally when, you know, it's a minimalist kind of concept I guess. It's, you're, you're generally at your best selves when you can just accept what you've currently got. Um, The idea that you need more all the time is uh, probably a signal that you're not uh, at peace with yourself, I guess. Um, And there's something unresolved and that's why you're externalizing it and trying to grab onto things that you don't necessarily need.
0: It's kind of like where's, this is a bad way of putting it, but uh, I'm struggling to think of a better way of putting it at the moment. It's kind of like, what's your expectation? Is your expectation to continually have more? Okay, well, unless you continually have more, you won't feel satisfied. But if your expectation is, okay, I just need enough to survive, then when you meet that expectation, you get the exact same feeling as if you were constantly chasing more. So why not then say, okay, look at nature. If I just get what I need to survive, that's sustainable. If I I expect that I constantly need things to grow, that's unsustainable just looking at the world around us. So, yeah, it, it's up to us then. Well, where do you – either way, you can get a good feeling. You can get a feeling of peace. But do you want to put that feeling on something that's easy to obtain, easy to manage, or do you want to put that feeling on something that's impossible to attain,
1: impossible to manage? Yeah, that's right. That's right, yeah. So something that's that's easy, easier to maintain is obviously better. And I guess when we think about how we evolve, we don't think that forward that, – and maybe, maybe it's because – Only now we can actually self-reflect. Technology has come to a point in which we can self-reflect on these things. I think what's changed rapidly is the ability to control our environment at at a mass. Like you think about cultivating um, an agriculture where it started and where it is today. I mean it's amazing some of the machines that, that farmers actually have to control masses of land. And when you control size like that, it has a detrimental impact, but when you do it on a smaller scale to to where you can do it, there's probably a lot of wastage. There's so many things with food that's a classic example, like the transportation of food, the uh, waste of food and all the rest of the waste, all that energy. And um, while it may seem like an, ever, an evolving, we might seem like we're evolving because we can control it and do it in an abundance, what actually is, ahead of us is probably a detriment because we're actually uh, uh, not regulating the environment in which we, which we reside in. The other thing is
0: we, our technology has advanced so much that we're actually using brute force tactics for the majority of things we do. And let me explain this. So think about computers, right? Think about how much more powerful computers have got. Think about how much worse programmers have got. They use it ineffectively. Like if if you are a good programmer, if you understand what's going on very low level, and you optimize the way you um, you code, you can get so much more out of it than the basic the normal programmer because they they don't understand what's going on and so they're just doing what works. But that doesn't matter in the majority of cases because the technology we have is so much more advanced that you never have to worry about that problem. But so what's going on in other sectors, like for example? Um, Farming is that we have these brute force tactics of of how we can farm, but what that's doing is actually destroying the environment around us. So, why don't we now think, okay, we have so much better technology, so much more capability to mold the environment around us? Why not now look at, okay, how can we optimize the way that we do it using those advanced technologies? And now it, it may take a little bit more energy to begin with, but once you start working with nature instead of against it like we are in a lot of circumstances, you don't have to consistently be putting that power in. Nature will start to take over and, and it will just run itself.
1: Yeah, I agree. And I think that leads into, to me, that leads into the role of evolution and the role of the, the uh, slingshotting the next generation is to to realise. So it's not also about what we did right. Oh, this is the way in which we get more. This is the way in which… Uh, ...you can be faster at it or perform better at it or make something more grandeur about it. It's also about these are the mistakes we made and I don't think we're very good at that. We're not very good at saying, okay, we're always good at showing what we've done well, I guess. And and if you think about, you know, any leader, whether it be within, um, within a research, within a political, within a sport... ...they're always wanting to see highlights about what they did well and... Uh, ...not necessarily what they did wrong. But that's really what is important going about that transparency and honesty is... ...yeah, we did this, we thought it was great, but actually it cost us a lot here. And um, so this is what we know you need to focus on this. And allowing the next generation to go, yeah, okay, based on what you've said... ...and the experience what we're, we're going through is that is where we need to target. We need to step aside and, and give them that opportunity as well. So I think about, and I don't know, you know, it's, it's hard to know where that, that age happens. To me it's sort of when you start hitting 30, I think 30's maybe… …around about that 30 mark I think is where humans are probably at their most optimal. Where they go through a period of growth through their childhood, teenage years… …and now they've gone through a decade of being independence, But they're still physically fit, their body is not uh, degrading over time… And they're well attuned to. So they've gone through that learning phase. Now they're at their, maybe call it fittest. And they're the people that I think uh, could actually make some good decisions. But what we have to do is uh, maybe step back as an older generation, allow that to occur. Because if you think about political parties to the, these days, how old the politicians are, um, you only have to go back to what was the um, – uh, ...the political thing with Facebook and all the rest of it... And ...how disconnected those decision makers... ...or maybe perceive, ...maybe they played it on a little bit... ...but how, how disconnected they actually are... Um, ...about what the real world problems are, are occurring... And, ...and allowing that younger generation to identify them... And, ...and having a crack at being able to resolve it. Um,
0: to, yeah. To try and tie this all up... ...because uh, there was something that you said in there... ...that was perfect I feel. Yet we as uh, humans biologically we grow when we're young then we get to this period around 25 35 something like that where it's like okay now it's sustainable you're not degrading you're not improving but it's holding and then after that you start to decline it's like that is the period of time where you are at your peak where you can perform best and i feel like one thing like i said it's taking longer and longer to get people up to speed I think we're pushing into that period where you're at your peak and you should be performing at that. And so then for me, the role of the generation is okay, before we get to that point, let's get them up to speed to allow them at their best at their physical best at their biological best to be able to spend that time. Then taking what we've learned and building on
1: it. Yeah, I agree. And then the role of the older generation is just to be transparent and open because they hold the experiences. Um, but it's to be transparent and open but also not to be controlling too. So, like, okay, I know, you know, because even now when I get to 40, I feel like, okay, it's only now that I really start done and I'll probably feel that at 50. It's only now that I'm really starting to understand myself and the world around me. It's taken, taken a while to really to really understand that. Um, but then also understanding, okay, just because I know all of this and I've gone through that experience, I still might not be the best person to be able to actually um, make that happen. So it's being able to pass that knowledge onto someone else and say, "Okay, this is what we learned. You know, this is what my generation learned, or this is what we went through that we found out, good and bad." Um, and uh, it's over to you guys. Like, make the best of it that you can. And having having faith and trust in in the the that a younger generation can actually uh, make a better better environment for themselves. I guess is is. ...where the anxiety holds and so we've got people in control which I, from my point of view that, you know... ...politicians are, I guess, either approaching or are past their retirement age. So we consider someone that in this country, I think it's 65, that's at the point at which um, they're probably... they decline to actually contribute to work is at a point at which it's... I hate to say this, but it's not as valuable as other workers. So we considered that the retirement age. But then we've got people in control that are at that age, and so are they best fit for 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 leading leading the future generations? They're not. It's really needs someone in that future generation to to lead them because that that comes whatever decisions they make is a cost to them. Someone that's seventy, every the decisions they make, it's like if they live twenty more years, great. Other than that they don't really see past that. Um, And there's something tangible about that. I'm 30, whatever decisions I make means I have to live through them in retirement. And so I think that's a a greater sacrifice to make.
0: From the perspective of roles, I feel like you start off, okay, your role from zero to a certain point is to learn. Then your next role is to develop, innovate, create, take that ever, whatever. Then your role after that is to pass on, the experiences that you've had so learn from others experiences gain your own experiences pass on
1: those experiences to the next generation yep i couldn't say it better i think that's that's really the role of each generation okay exactly. happy, happy to leave it there yep
0: all right then my supplemental song suggestion for today is macklemore's growing up which is featuring ed sheeran and then my quote for today is If I have seen further than other men, it is because I have stood on the shoulders of giants. By Sir Isaac Newton. Thanks for watching this discussion. We look forward to hearing your thoughts about the topic we just discussed. As always, be well.